Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. It, it really hit home that, uh, you know, the utility of money changes as you age. It really becomes you know, useless because the number of activities that either you enjoy doing or can do declines, right? Like, and, and this is just a natural thing. And I, I used to think, oh, not me. I'm going to be swinging from the chandeliers in the club when I'm 70. You know what I mean? And I look at my grandparents. I'm like, oh, I'm, who am I kidding? Those, uh, you know, I call them Chuck E. Cheese tokens, that, those dollars you have. The, 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 the Chuck E. Cheese tokens for partying or ski trips or doing this, whatever, they expire, right, as you age and they become useless. And what I mean is, is that a certain amount of your money just becomes useless to you. It's not, it's not, it's not, it doesn't fulfill you the same way it could have, or at least the activities that fulfill you start to disappear. I am pumped to welcome to Forward, world-class poker champion, <laughs> best-selling author of the book in my hand, Die With Zero, getting all you can from your money and your life, hedge fund manager, epic investor, Bill Perkins. Welcome to Forward, Bill. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Holy cow, was this book a joy to read. Uh, I learned a, a ton from it. I learned a lot about you too, and you and I have been friends for a little while now. Uh, but one of the things I didn't realize is that you went to the University of Iowa, and wow, did I spend a lot of time in Iowa. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> for, for different reasons, right? But yeah, go Hawks. Yes, go, go Hawks. So how did you wind up at, at Iowa as a kid who grew up in New Jersey? Well, my dad went to school there. He, he, he was uh, recruited under scholarship in the 50s, late 50s, to play football there. And I was pretty much a slacker. I didn't know where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. But we, I had been going to Iowa when he went back to revisit for reunions. And so I just kind of went to Iowa, that type of thing. You know, no real direction in my life except for, all right, this is the next step. Got to go to college, you know, that type of thing. Uh, well, you graduated with a degree of, in engineering. Uh, you played football there too. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I was on the bench, but yeah, I was on the team. <laughs> I mean, that's a high level team. What position were you? Yeah. Uh, I always say left out, but I was a defensive back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you occasionally got to, 
lay a hit on yeah. somebody. Uh, and, and then you moved to New York and you had like a very, very junior trading position. You said you were making $18,000 at the time. You're like a clerk. Yeah, it was between 16 and 18, but I was a clerk. It wasn't even trading. I, I don't even want to say trading. Like it's uh, you're a screen clerk, which is essentially you check the trades of the traders and make sure they match what's in the computer system back in the pick card days. Have you ever seen trading places where people are throwing pieces of paper, et cetera, at these guys with glasses on to protect them from these cards? Those cards have their trades that they've traded with somebody in the pit, goes down to a room, they type in the trades, and then they have to match those what's on the trader's pad. My job was to check those trades. You were the match and monkey. sandwiches and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> The equivalent of the mailroom, a slightly below the mailroom type of job. Yeah. So your book talks uh, about when you were in that job, you scrimped and saved and managed to eke out like a thousand bucks in savings and you were all proud of yourself. Um, yeah. Which, by the way, I can relate to because I'm the son of immigrants and my family's super stingy. Uh, and so when I was younger, I would have similar habits and similar pride being like, oh, look, I've saved a little bit of money. And then you mentioned to your boss, and this is one of the stories in your book that really hit home. You said, hey, I managed to save $1,000. And your boss is like, what are you, a fucking moron? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, he was just, I was talking to somebody else. He's standing over here. I was like, are you a fucking idiot? And just kind of like, you know slap me across the face like what are you doing saving a thousand dollars on the meager salary you have like you should be go, go enjoy that money you didn't come here to make a thousand dollars you came here to make millions right like why why are you why are you depriving yourself you know that type of type of mentality and it kind of just like made my head explode you know i was kind of dejected at first and i was just like it's kind of right like what am i doing <laughs> you know <laughs> Yeah, so this is principle number one in your book, um, maximize life experiences, which is something that maybe people hear, but they don't really think about. Uh, and this advice from your boss led you to kind of go the other direction, maybe a little bit excessively, you say, or you're like, yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of yo-yoing. I wasn't, it's kind of, oh, great, right. I shouldn't be saving money. So just like spend it all and have all the fun I can possibly have, right? Like, and have, you know, no safety buffer, no, you know, no, no savings whatsoever. Just kind of spend every single nickel I made. Um, but it got to the point and got me thinking about, yeah, like, when am I going to spend money? When am I going to save money? What's it going to be for kind of, kind of that type of thinking? You know, what's it all for? Like, uh, and, and if I'm going to be make money in the future, what am I going to spend that on and that type of thing? So it started that process along with some books I read, uh, Your Money, Your Life, etc. Yeah, so it's one of the big lessons from your book uh, is that life is a set of experiences and a set of memories and that memories have dividends, which was not an idea I'd ever seen until reading your book. Can you explain what the heck you mean by memory dividends? When you, when you have an experience, right, you, you get joy from that experience, right? You plan it, you have it, and, there's, and, and it's like, great, I, I went swimming, or I had my first kiss, or I went on this trip, and you get joy out of that. But you also get joy and experience recalling it. So uh, my first kiss, if I talk about that, it's going to be a story. I'm going to have some sort of endorphins go from that, talk about it and remember it fondly. Or when I talk about a vacation that I went on, like, hey, I went on a trip. We went to Thailand and we saw all these statues and yada, 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 lost my car keys. And then we were stuck and, you know, tell jokes, et cetera. These are the things that make things interesting. You know, at the very basic level, the experience of learning what a door is allows you to approach every single door and not go, okay, cylindri cylindrical object, uh, two inches out, 
rectangle, you know it's a door from your experience, right? When you ride a bike, you're actually getting the memory dividend the next time you get on a bike, right? Like you huh. you actually build up who you are and your skill set and you get the enjoyment of riding the bike, the memory of riding the bike and the ability to go do it again. And so if your fulfillment is having experiences and that joy that comes from that experience, you get a portion of that every time you recall it, every time you you bring it up, right? And that's also part of your fulfillment. And so these experiences pay dividends the same way a stock would pay dividends or interest in a bank would pay dividends. And this is something you need to calculate when you decide when you're going to have an experience, whether you're going to have gratification now and take one trip or delay gratification for, say, 10 years and take two trips. Right. And, and you need to calculate, well, I may only get one trip, but I get all the memory dividends associated with that trip for 10 years, building up, fulfilling me as opposed to waiting for two, uh, 10 years. And the answer may be different uh, depending on who you are, right? If I'm 80, I'm not delaying uh, 10 years to take two trips. I'm taking the trip right now or even 70, right? Like because my ability to even enjoy that trip may go down as well. Yeah, you talk about your similarly situated roommate in New York who decided to take a trip. I think it was yeah. a very significant trip. You went like backpacking around Europe, even though you guys were both broke. Uh, and, and you were like, man, you can't do that. Or I can't do that. Uh, and so then he goes on this trip while you're toiling away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought he was fucking nuts. Cause he actually borrowed from a, from a, I, I would say a loan shark <laughs> to go, go, go on this trip, which was like, this is the most irresponsible, crazy thing. What are you talking about? Our careers. And we got, we can't miss screen clerking when we might miss our chance to get promoted and all this yada, 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 yada stuff. And so he, he went off. Had the trip of a lifetime uh, at the right time, too, because, you know, there's, there's a time and a season for everything in your life. So he went backpacking through Europe, traveled around, was on, you know, student passes and, and youth hostels and meeting people and having this real dynamic trip. That's something that, you know, I'm not going to have happen in my 40s and 50s, right, or even late 30s when, when I started making more money. Although I went to Europe later and had a good time, it was a different type of trip. Right. And he had that type of experience in the right time frame. And so if I wanted to have that in my life, I just let it go by. And I wanted to have that in my life and I let it go by. And I, I realized like, wow, he did it right. I did it wrong. I, I was operating too fear based and then it wasn't really thinking about what experiences I wanted to have and when in my life, which, you know, what you want to have in your life is, is important, but also the when is equally as important. Yeah, that's one of the big principles in the book that uh, I, I took from it, which is that experiences are worth different amounts at different times in your life. Uh, and it's in part because of this memory dividend you're talking about, but it's also because, like you said, the experience will be totally different when you're 25 versus 30 versus 35. So he kind of got the 24-year-old version of that youth hostel Europe experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> cue, cue movie, cue movie, <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, which, by the way, I never got. Um, yeah, I never got. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, but it did remind me of something. Uh, and so that this book was phenomenal at making you examine your own life choices. <laughs> so, so there was a, a period when... A woman I was dating moved to Europe um, and I didn't have a whole lot of money. Um, and so I didn't like go and visit her while we were still an item 
Um, and now I really regret it because if I'd gone and visited her while we were still an item, then I would have had this uh, companion to explore continental Europe with uh, and, and the rest of it. But instead, I hunkered down and was sitting there making money. Not even a lot of money, by the way. <laughs> the right. Time, nothing, but, nothing to write home about, right? Yeah. 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 And then, um, you know, and then, of course, like the relationship peters out uh, and then I lose that opportunity. Um, I still regret that to this day. I think to myself, man, you know, like that money was not that big a deal. Like I could have made, made do. I wouldn't even have needed the loan shark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like even now when I, when I go travel, I see all these gap year students and they're traveling or they're going to Australia to work in McDonald's earning $25 an hour because they pay a lot down there. And then they go backpacking through China or, or Southeast Asia. And they have these like super adventurous lives before they go do college. And I'm just like, Jesus, these kids are doing it better than me. You know what I mean? Like everywhere I go, I see someone having this adventurous life that I wanted to have when I was their age. And it's just like a constant reminder, like you missed out kid, you missed out, you know? This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy in that I knew if you're going to spend eight hours doing something, you should probably invest in doing it right. That's why I love Helix Sleep, which will send a mattress to your door that's made just for you. You take the Helix Sleep quiz and you get matched with a mattress based upon whether you want it to be soft, medium, firm, how you sleep, other variables, and then voila, it gets sent to your door and you can try it for up to 100 nights and send it back. They have a 10 plus year warranty because they believe in their product so much. I do too, my kids do too. They actually seek out this mattress even though it was designed not for them. <laughs> That's how good this product is. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple chiropractors and doctors because they think it'll make you healthier. Don't take my word for it. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com yang and use code helixpartner20. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Yeah, so you, you tell the story too, which I, I laughed out loud. So your boss tells you, look, uh, you're doing it wrong. You should not be trying to scrimp and save, you know, a thousand bucks if you're here to make a fortune. And you're like, oh yeah, you're right. So you start spending too much. Uh, and then you fall asleep at your station and get fired. <laughs> um, yeah, this is another job, but yeah. <laughs> but then you end up switching to uh, another job as a, a broker, which is not what you precisely want to do. Um, but that ends up leading you to a role in Houston, Texas, where you are now. Uh, right. And there are a lot of people that might have hesitated about moving to Houston from New York, especially if they wanted to work in, you know, trading because they're like, oh, you know, like all the action is in New York. But then you looked at it and said, oh, like, like, sure, I'll make this move. Uh, and uh, there was like a, there were a couple of principles in there uh, where in your book, you talk about trying to be bold when you're young uh, and think about what you have to lose, because a lot of people overemphasize what they might be giving up uh, and underestimate what they might be gaining by right. making a decision. Right. They, 
they don't look at the opportunity cost, right? Like of, of, of the cost of inaction. And, and, and I was one of those people that was like, I'm never moving south on the Mason-Dixon line. Like, what the hell? Never go to Texas. Like, Texas was like rednecks and racists and cowboys. And, you know, I had this stereotypical image largely informed from uh, past and TV, right? And, you know, I, I didn't really know what Texas was like. I hadn't been there. But, you know, I was, I was like, I had the Texas of the 60s in my head. You know, and so not not the Texas that it was when I moved down there. But fortunately for me, I was so passionate about uh, becoming a trader and, and wanting to do it. And, and this kind of like arrogant belief that I could do it, that I would have moved to Siberia. I would have went anywhere. I was like, what's the worst that can happen? You know what I mean? If they get me, they get me, you know, th this. And I and I made the move. And, and luckily, I had that attitude about it uh, to do it. And. You know, as I look at other people in different careers, I see people like, oh, there's this job and you can move here. And they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know anybody there. I have to move here, et cetera. And a lot of jobs or opportunities go unfilled, not necessarily that people can't do it, but they're not willing to take the emotional risk of move, moving, right? Uh, meeting new friends, that, 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 that friction, right? And so they, they stay in a situation that may be less than ideal or even painful. Like I, I say, one of my sayings is people will avoid pain to live in misery. And I'm not saying everybody's in misery that doesn't move, but you know, some gradient of that happens with that fear. Yeah. You talk about a sales clerk who doesn't like her job and you're like, Hey, you need to leave because the fact is you could get another job. You don't like, you know, immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and that that rang true to me. Uh, a, a lot of and so the the book has different guidance for people at different life stages, and for young people, uh, it's around trying to home in on what you can gain from taking action as opposed to what you might lose, and taking more risks when you have less to lose. Like be bolder when you you have fewer yeah. responsibilities. Yeah, the the downside is is right like. You know, at the end of the day, when I was like scrimping and saving and, and, and the risk of the floor is like, I could have got a job literally at a fast food restaurant and got paid more, right? Like they purposely pay you low because of the opportunity set that's there and you're going to go make, right? And so going, going, you know, and it's like, could I could have been a waiter. I could have done anything. It's like I was always going to survive. Uh, you know, survival wasn't an issue. It was just my ego of what was, was I willing to do it when I fell down, right? And so... I should have been taking, you know, max, max, max risk. In certain areas of my life, I did. In certain areas, I didn't, you know, in terms of like emotional risk or tra taking a travel or et cetera. Like I could have got another job as a screen clerk and climbed the ranks easily. Like I was one of the best screen clerks there ever were. <laughs> I'm going to say that. I'm just going to say that, you know, like, so like, uh, you know, I missed out, right? I missed out on, on that something that can't replace that period of my life has died. That season is gone. And it is now either, you know, I, I don't either don't have the aptitude or the attitude to go do it that way now. So you move to Houston, Texas and become uh, an energy trader and end up being Correct. very successful. Uh, one of the big principles of the book is around trying to figure out what your uh, life experience money trade-offs are. When you're on autopilot and you're just like, hey, I got good at this thing. This thing produces money. I'm going to keep money. When money becomes the goal and not the tool to fulfill your life, you just keep going on autopilot, right? The, the purpose, it's like, I always tell people like, hammers and saws, you can like make the best hammers and saws, but that's not the goal. The goal is to build a house, 
but some people get stuck just accumulating hammers and salts, hammers and salts, hammers and salts. And so the money is a tool to, to enhance your life, not the other way around. And so I think, I think um, even, even at all income levels, right, you know, people need to get it to the concept of enough and to know enough, you have to get off on a pilot. Like, what do I, what experiences do I want in my life? What things are going to fulfill me? Right. Uh, and then once you have that, you know exactly how much money you need. Yeah. You talk too about time with your kids and you're, you're a parent, you've got two girls, right? Right. Uh, I've got two boys. Um, and that itself also is like a scarce resource or a trade-off where if you don't spend time with your kids during a certain year, like you don't get that year back. Uh, and, and, and so there's also like an investment in that regard. It's like, and you might think to yourself, oh, I need to make this money so that I can provide for my family. But spending time with your kids actually uh, is an investment in them as well that in some ways might be as or more important. And one of the things I love about you and your approach to things is like, you're so hyper rational about everything (laughs) where, and and we'll talk a little bit about this, where you don't stop with this book. You actually have produced a couple of apps to help people optimize their time money trade-offs. But it instinctively made sense to me that if you're spending all your time, and you make this point in the book, if you spend all your time making money for the family and none of your time actually with your family, like time spent with the family would have a much higher return <laughs> for, right. for, for the child uh, than, than like another couple bucks in a lot of situations. Right. If you, if you look at money as a tool to fulfill you, right? Like it's basically a tool to fulfill me. The first, the first level is survival, right? And then after that, we're operating on a want basis, not a need basis. So once the needs are uh, met, we're operating on a want basis. And one of the things that your kids want uh, whether they consciously or, 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 or unconsciously is time with you, m- memories with you, moments with you. And so piling an extra million dollars on it, but taking away that time from you is basically giving them something useless, right? What they want is time with you, right? And I, I'm not saying I have the answer to the, the optimal balance, right? Like it's, 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 it's almost an intractable problem, but like these are the things we need to think about uh, so that we get more close to the optimal solution of balancing time with kids or family members or loved ones or, or what have you. Yeah, there was a lot of wisdom in your book, too, about different life stages where after you made some money being a good grandson, you give your grandma $10,000 <laughs> uh, and then she doesn't do anything with it. Uh, and turns around yeah. and it gives you like a sweater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> sweater. My mom corrected me. She also gave my daughter like a chain, like a small chain. But like it, it really hit home that, uh, you know, the utility of money changes as you age. It really becomes, you know, useless because the number of activities that either you enjoy doing or can do declines. Right. Like, and, and this is just a natural thing. And I, I used to think, oh, not me. I'm going to be swinging from the chandeliers in the club when I'm 70. You know what I mean? And I look at my grandparents. I'm like, oh, I'm, who am I kidding? Like, th- these are my ancestors. This is the way my even my dad, you know, who was kind of kind of out there. And, you know, they just they just shift into gears. And so, uh, you know, the 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 wealth planners or life planners say, that you know, there's the go go years, the, the slow go years and the no go years. Yeah. And that's pretty much true for universally true for everyone. And so those, uh, you know, I call them Chuck E. Cheese tokens, that, those dollars you have, the, 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 the Chuck E. Cheese tokens for partying or ski trips or doing this, whatever, they expire, right, as you age and they become useless. And what I mean is, is that 
certain amount of your money just becomes useless to you. It's not, it's not, it's not, it doesn't fulfill you the same way it could have, or at least the activities that fulfill you start to disappear. This podcast is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Why let big tech companies see everything you're doing online when you can just use ExpressVPN and then be footloose and fancy free? Plus, you get access to exclusive content by beaming in to another market. What do I mean? Let's say you have Netflix and you missed the show Snowpiercer. By the way, I loved that movie. And you want to watch the TV series, not available in the US on Netflix, but if you beam into the UK or someplace else, then there's Snowpiercer on your Netflix. See how it works? This is a way you can get more from what you're already spending on streamers, plus totally anonymous online, plus you can do it by pushing one button anywhere you are. It's why I love ExpressVPN. It's like a set it and forget it. So be smart. Stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com yang. Don't forget to use my link at expressvpn.com yang to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Yeah, so this is one of the fascinating things you posit in the book, which is that there is essentially an optimal life period during which money has the biggest impact on your enjoyment, ability to have fulfilling experiences. And, and that period is 26 to 35 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, would say, I would say it's exactly that. Like you reach mental maturity at 28, or at least that's what the science says, and physical maturity at 33. Uh, and then you're, in, then you're in plateau and decline, right? And so if, if you're healthy, so the book is a, the, we're solving for net fulfillment. And the three variables are your wealth, your health, and time right? And if the, let's just say it was a simple byproduct, wealth times health times whatever, and the time you have available is, is going there. As your health declines, I got to throw more and more money at it in order to get the same fulfillment or the net fulfillment points, right? Just in a very broad, broad sense. And so, you know, that utility of money starts declining, 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 right? As you go into decline. And so, you know, we're in plateau for a little bit, but, you know, right around 40 people, you know, my back or, oh, I tried to play pickup football and I oh, sprained dude. an ankle. Yeah, but, I mean, you put you know? examples in the book, um, yeah. when, but I, I'm 47 uh, right. and my favorite time of the week used to be my weekly basketball run uh, where there was a bunch of dudes that are around my age uh, right. and athleticism and skill and whatever. Um, so 20 of us rented a court uh, in New York City. And we would show up every Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to noon and play. Uh, and I would look forward to it every week. And um, there were times when, you know, I'd have, I was having a shitty day and I just think back to, you know, a good play I made that week. And it'd be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I like, still got it. So the, so that during my 30s. Uh, people start dropping like flies. People start getting, uh, you know, ankles, knees, thumbs, shoulders, like just freaking injuries start happening when you're like 37, 38. I remember, you know, I showed up one time and we didn't have enough people. <laughs> we, 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 yeah, we, it just, 
And then, then pretty soon people are like, I'm not doing that no more. You know what I mean? Like it, it just fades out, right? You know, there, there, there's, you know, there's obviously there's people on, on different t- tail ends of the distribution that keep going and keep going and can do it. But by and large, you know, these things become, you know, slightly less enjoyable, slightly less enjoyable. I don't want to do it. I can't do it, right? Like, yeah. you know, and, and so it's the same thing in terms of your fulfillment. Like when, you know, I, I use an example uh, often that like I, I, when I go to a city, I like to walk around the city a lot. And I, I used to like knock out 10, 15 miles a day walking around with a backpack, you know, around Paris, et cetera. And now if I go to that same city, it's not that I can't walk 15 miles. It's just not enjoyable, right? So I'll walk seven before my knees and my feet. And I'm just like, you know, I'm kind of done. Like I'm not really, so it's not the same trip. I'm not getting the same fulfillment points from that same plop down time in, into, into a new city. Not that it's not enjoyable. It's just that if I was going to get the max points, probably should have done it a little bit earlier. Right. Yeah. And one of the stories you tell in your book that I found very invigorating was that you planned an epic birthday party for yourself um, where you got, Tons of people from every stage of your life together at Caribbean Island. And for some of them, they couldn't afford that kind of trip. So you were like, you know what? I'm going to cover that trip for you. And it included your mother, I believe, included like people that were deeply important to you. And you even, this blew my mind, you even sprang for Natalie Merchant as the special yeah. as entertainment. Yeah, yeah, for those yeah. of you who don't know, Natalie Merchant was a like a, is a was the lead singer for Ten Thousand Maniacs, and it's like this. You should check out her music. She's she's great. Uh, and you described it as memories that would last a lifetime. Uh, even though at the time that expense was very very considerable for you. Um, and I have to say, man, like I. I read these stories and I was like, first, I wish I was your friend back then. Cause that would have been freaking epic. Um, but second, it, it reminded me of my wedding uh, to Evelyn where we objectively sort of overspent. <laughs> Honestly, we, we had a destination yeah. wedding, but I don't regret it in the least because it's still maybe some of the, the happiest memories I, I have in my entire life. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely, you know, one of the things I, I discovered is, is that you don't, you don't retire money, you retire in your memories. Like you invite people over, you talk about the old times or things that are going on or, or, or current visit with your grandkids or, or, or loved ones. And so these are the things. And when you go out to dinner or you, you, you meet new people, whatever, like most of the time you're talking about things that have happened to you or with them, et cetera. It's about the past, the experience you have. So you're building a richer life, a more fulfilling life. And, and that's your concept of self and your enjoyment comes from these experiences. And so I like curating very, very rich, deep, loving, meaningful experiences and fun ones like, I'm, you know, fun experiences to, to, you know, that's what gives me fulfillment. It might be something different for somebody else, but I, I find that to be true, you know, more often than not across the board. So uh, one of the pieces of advice you have in the book that I a thousand percent believe in, because I did a version of this, is to write things down that you want to do within certain what you call life buckets. And I didn't do it by life buckets. I just wrote down a list of things that I want to achieve or want want to experience. And right. there is some magic to writing goals down where anytime... I had the opportunity to hit one of those goals. I was like, well, I guess I got to do it because that's on the goal list. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I, I talk about that. Like one is each period in your life because, you know, while your kids are like toddlers or et cetera, 
you you can't just write them down. Oh, I want to take them to Disney World because they're going to be like, Dad, I'm not going to Disney World with you when they're 20, right? And so the time, the when matters as much as as the what. Uh, and the other thing, you know, I talk, you know, talk when I talk with groups or stuff like that is kind of like, especially professionals, like they have all these uh, key performance indicators, like you know. EBITDA, uh, customer acquisition costs versus lifetime value, all these ratios, et cetera, for their business. And if their employees didn't know these ratios who were in charge of that, they would fire them. And I go, well, what are your key performance indicators for your fulfillment, for your life, for, for, for your wife, your marriage? Crickets, your, right? They don't know. It's crickets. It's crickets. And I'm like, are you guys fucking idiots? Do you take life serious? Like, the fuck is wrong with you guys? You know what I mean? And, and I've, they've given me permission to talk to them like they're my best friend. So it's a lot of fun. And, and I'm just really emphasizing the point that life is serious. And that if you were taken as, as serious as your business, you would have these indicators, right? Like I have the indicators like how much I've given to charity. I, I check with my CFO. What's the percent? If the percent is too low, I, I, I've, I boom, Dave Thomas Foundation. Here you go. Adoption services. Here you go. You know? starvation in Yemen. Here you go. You know, the things that are important to me, other people have different other things. How many trips have I taken? I just know instinctually if my travel budget is, is below X that I'm doing something wrong. You know, something's going on or I, it's something for me to investigate further. How many I love you have I said? How many times have I done this? How many times have I gone out to dinner with my wife, now wife? Former yeah, congrats fiance. on that, man. So <laughs> you can make any kind of KPI you want, According to who you are, like if you love playing chess and checkers, well, how many times have you played chess and checkers, right? Yeah, writing so, goals so down helps you uh, achieve them almost magically. And so I, I really do advise people to do it, um, whether it's in time buckets, uh, the way Bill's describing, uh, or uh, even more generally, um, because you'll just find yourself behaving differently. Yeah, and I, not, but I, I want to add to that. Writing them down is great, but also... The check, the metric, did it happen? Yeah. Right? Like, you, you're right. Like, I'm going to practice and play basketball and shoot threes every day. Like, I'm going to take, I don't know, 10, 10 three point attempts every day, whatever. And if you end at the week and it's still zero, it's like, well, we need that feedback, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. We all need feedback, right? And so, and it's your life. Nobody's here to rescue you. It's your own life. <laughs> so, you, you, a lot of people think like somebody's going to come out and rescue you, like the fairy godmother is going to come out. It's like your own life. So, you have to, you have to monitor yourself and your own feedback according to the goals in life you want to live and, and, and have these key performance indicators on your life. So whether that's, you know, I love you count or how many times you took your, your significant other out on a date or it's, you know, how many trips you went on or how many times you played chess or checkers, whatever it is, we need to track those results to see that keep us on, on path. Or right. how many political candidates around the country you've elevated. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever it is. Whatever it For is. For you, it's like, how many donors have you called? You know, it's like, I got to call this guy. I gotta how call how did guy. you know that that's my life? But yeah. anyway, I mean, the, these things are, are, you know, the same things that you use in business, uh, you can use in your life for your life fulfillment. And I think one is more important than the other. Amen. I mean, that's one of the big principles of this book is like, it, it really is like, it's like a rational approach to making the most of your life. I, I, I hope so. What are your KPIs there? You got your KPIs out there, Andrew? I mean, are you thinking of something that you need to get down out there? I, I, I could use more. Your, right? your own scorecard, your own life scorecard. Yeah. My, my, my life scorecard. And like you said, it does evolve over time because, um, right. but I need, I need to refresh and review it because I had it and then I haven't refreshed it properly. And, we, and unfortunately my life stage has changed. 
That's another. We all do. And, and, and that's why I have a buddy. I have an accountability buddy. I, I call him up and he's, you know, he slaps me around. I'm like, okay, I'm off autopilot. Back, back to it. Back to it. You know, it's very easy to get into the default mode network and just go on autopilot. So don't, don't act like I'm not, I don't want to act like I'm the guru and I'm some here up high. I'm, I'm right down there with you. I'm a student of the game of life, just, just as everyone else is. One of the, the curves you describe is that people work, they earn money, they save money, and then they get to a certain point. And most people, after they save a certain amount, amount of money, they're actually not spending it down. Like they get to a certain point and the money's going up, even as their ability to enjoy it goes down and their consumption's going down because, because maybe their energy level is less or their uh, desire to travel is lower. Uh, and so one of the situations you describe is this, and we've all heard this story um, where there is like a, a, an elderly woman who's just toiling for years and years and no one knows that she's actually secretly wealthy. And then she right. passes away and then, uh, you know, the nonprofit gets $5 million and her relatives get, get X million and people are like, wow, like she lived such a modest life. Um, and, and you make the point, look, um, that person's, uh, favorite charity could probably use the money a little bit earlier. Uh, (laughs) Like, like, and very, very importantly, their relatives often could use the money a lot earlier because the average age at which you inherit money from uh, your parents is age 60, which often is a little bit past like the optimal time for you to get that money. So if you are someone who's saying like, Hey, I'm going to save this for charity. I'm going to save this for your kids you might want to get a move on and actually just start putting that money to work yeah. now. Yeah. Particularly, particularly, let's just start with the kids. Like I think when people's like, yeah, I want to help out my kids. I'm like, well, they probably, even when they say that don't have a vision of their kids as 60 year olds when they're going to help them out. That's not even a thing, right? Like it's not even a thing, but I think there's just like this cultural autopilot, like, Oh, uh, when I die, what's left over is this tip for the kids. It's not really a deliberate plan and thinking about when is the most optimal time for them to receive the money? When can they convert it? You know, when does it have the maximum utility to them? Um, And the same thing with charities, right? Like these education charities, particularly the one in the book, like the return on education is massive. I'm sure you know that it's more than any return she can make saving. And so the 5 million that she gave, you know, that was distributed from her estate to the charity when she died you know, even a million 20 years ago would have been a better deal, right? 500,000, right? Um, so, so you know, I, I have this sense of like life is urgent and life is now and that we need to optimize kind of like where we want to have our impact. And, you know, um, you know, particularly with your kids, like where, where are you going to have the most impact on our life? Where are they going to appreciate it the most? When are they going to need it the most? When is it going to be you know, you're basically saying when you give them money, you're basically saying, I want to give you the ability to have experiences. So when it, when are they going to most be able to have the most experiences and get the most joy out of it? 26 it's to not 35, 60. brother. <laughs> 30, exactly. It's, it's not 60. I'm just going to go right on the record. I'm just going to say it ain't 60, you know? And, and, and going back to that chart, like you can go look in the Bureau of Labor Statistics or et cetera about those who save in household net worth. 
keeps going up in their 70s, yeah. you know, and in the book, I put a little thing like, what are they waiting for? When's the party? Just tell me when the party is, right? Like, when, when are we going to spend this shit? You know, like, you know, and it's like, like, what? It, and, 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 you know, I, I joke, but I'm just kind of like, it's passed them by. Their ability to consume has passed them by. And, and, and also their, 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 their attitude about consumption and the type of activities they like now has passed them by. Just like, Maybe you would have been like, I'm going to this three on three amateur basketball tournament all over the world. and I'm going to spend money on that or whatever. And that period has passed you by now. You're like, nah, my ankle, my back, my shoulder, I'm done. Dude, you all know? I know is if I come home injured uh, and I can't do shit around the house, Evelyn's going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah, she's not, she's not having it. Yeah, she's like... <laughs> Because for her, the positive utility of my like enjoyment of the game, like you know, she discounts that entirely. She's like, "Yeah, What do you do to hurt it's yourself?" It's very little value to her at all. Maybe get you out of her hair for a little bit, and that's about it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. That, so you, you cite the example of this philanthropist, and obviously, not everyone's going to be a philanthropist. But if you are in fortunate enough position to do so, and I'd love to hear what your experiences have been, kind of spreading the word about this book. But you talk about a guy named Chuck Feeney. Um, who champions living while giving where he made a ton of money on duty-free stories that we all see in the airports. Um, and, right. he, and he just set aside $2 million to live on, which is fine for him because he's a normal dude. And then he's just giving the rest away while he's still alive. Um, and, and that's like a much more powerful, impactful model than just having this giant slug of money that ends up, you know, get, getting converted um, uh, on yeah. your estate. Yeah, when, when you die and like, you know, life is now, like what happens to the people? It, it seems weird to me, like people are starving in Yemen or, or whatever. And like, I'm going to wait till I die. You know, and I'm going to hold up and grow. This, you know, it's just it's kind of weird. Or, you know, imagine during polio, like, you know, I'm not going to donate to the research in polio and accelerate the, 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 the vaccine. I'm going to wait till I die. Right. Like, and, and perhaps, you know, there were people at that time that could have accelerated that development and saved a bunch of kids, you know at the time. And so that's kind of the way I'm approaching it and thinking about it. Like life is urgent, life is now. And 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 that the return on your charitable dollar is greater than any return that you're going to make. And so make, make it, you know, to the extent that you can effectively give it now, make that impact now. Yeah. Another lesson from your book that frankly made me feel guilty uh, was that investing in your health in small ways pays off in huge uh, regards because, you know, you drop five pounds now, it like ends up keeping you healthier for years and years. And I was like, oh my gosh, in part because having met you in person, you kind of exude a certain degree of vitality and health. You, Bill Perkins, like you're, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like anyone who's watching this video be like, I have no idea how, how, how old this guy, he's kind of got this Vin Diesel indeterminate ethnicity, indeterminate age thing going. You do. I mean, it's a compliment. Right. You look like a movie star. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm 53, so. Yeah, but it did make me think. I was like, oh, shit, I, I got to get into shape because Bill's right. Like if, if you make investments in your health, then that ends up leading to more fulfilling experiences. Yeah, it's just compound. It's the number one variable, right? Like you can have zero money and get value out of this book because this book is about optimizing your life. So do I spend time with my daughter or do I go play basketball? Do at the gym? Like, how do I order my life? Like life is like Tetris, right? In order to get the high score, you got to get the order right, right? You don't, you don't go out to the club and, and climb in Himalayas when you have three kids at home and you're, you're married, right? Like those were before you got married, right? And so 
but if you have your health is extremely poor, none of these experiences are, are all the experience become less and less enjoyable and to the point where you can't move. You have no experience, right? Then you die. And it's amazing when you try and model it, like small changes in health, how radically it changes your, your enjoyment or your fulfillment points, any model that you build. Yeah, the, the, the book has lessons for everyone. Like if you're young and broke, uh, I feel like the lessons are, you know, take some more risks, like try and drag the experiences forward instead of being like, yeah, I'll do that later. Um, right. And then if you're a bit older and more established, it's like, like, do you really just want to be sitting on this pile of gold coins <laughs> like, yeah. like, as it's heading? It's like, you know, you say you're doing it for your kids. It's like, well, your kids are alive now. Like, you know, may, maybe that you can do something where, and you make the point in the book, it's like, if, if you really want the kids to have the money, then make it their money and not your money. Uh, Correct. Yeah, which made yeah. sense to me as well. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people come up that I'm like, if it's still in your account, it's still in your estate, it's not in a trust or you haven't given it to them. You get in an accident, you get sued, there goes their money that was supposedly their money. It's your money and their money, right? And so, uh, you know, you, you, you really need to think about, okay, kids, I mean, they're not 60. I just keep saying it's not 60. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and if you if you are lucky and, and, and the average is hold and you live to 84, 86 or whatever, your kids are, are 60 or late 50s, it, that's not the optimal time for them to have have any kind of gift, any kind of inheritance. Dude, I did what the book said, which is I, I put my variables into a life expectancy calculator and apparently I'm going to live to be 90. So I was like, I was like, oh, I better start thinking in, in these terms. You, get, you, get, you, 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 you pit me a little bit, but you get to, you get to, uh, you get to like figure out, all right, how, now that you're going to live to 90, what experiences belong when? Like, what are you going to be doing 80 to 90, 70 to 80, 50 to 55? You know, what experiences you want to have both, you know, charitable, emotionally, socially, you know, family, business-wise, career-wise, politically. So, you know, we had to throw that out there for you. <laughs> you know, that these, so you get to, you get to think about like where the experiences belong, you know, and, and map them out. Uh, well, on the political side, you've been this awesome champion of third parties, essentially, for quite some time. I think it's because you're kind of an independent thinker. Um, super grateful uh, for your belief in, in what we're doing at Forward, but you've also supported uh, the Libertarian Party. Um, is, this right. part, is this in part because you, you've uh, been attracted to those ideas uh, or is it because like you, you just naturally uh, kind of have an independent streak? Yeah, I'm naturally like the hell. Fuck the system. No, no, I'm, 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 I, I think the Libertarian, just like the principles and philosophies and reading the old, you know, it, 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 it aligns a lot with my beliefs, a reason approach, uh, a balanced approach. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I find myself as like, okay, I'm part of a relay race of life, right? Like, we're not going to win the presidential election next year or whatever. But my, my job is to just support it, pass the baton on to future libertarians or, 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 or thought leaders until one day. They can either get their policies or, 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 or a person in a position of power to actually enact those policies. And either one is fine for me, right? Like if you, if you want to be anti-war or lower the military budget, do these certain things, either one is fine. It, we, it doesn't have to be our guy. It just has to get, you know, these things done because, you know, it's better for 
I believe is better for our people, planet, nation, et cetera. And so the same thing goes with, with your party, you know, not being strapped into some sort of like tribalism, uh, you know, well, these guys came up with this idea, so we're against it, you know, non-rational, emotional type, knee-jerk response, but very rational approach to uh, today's problems um, and, and, and not be stuck with the dogma of these legacy parties, which is essentially like, who do you hate less? Amen, brother. I mean, you know, like you just said, we just want good things to happen. And like, whether it's because we're there, like pushing good things to happen, or whether we're in there making it happen, as long as more good things happen <laughs> in, in that in, yeah. in that sector, uh, we'll, we'll feel like it's a job well done. Um, so you've put a significant amount of effort. I mean, this book uh, is a bestseller. So congratulations on, on that score. There, there is a website, anyone wants to check it out, uh, diewithzerobook.com. Um, and you have various apps out so that people can calibrate and balance their life choices, which uh, again is is awesome and spectacular. I genuinely yeah. think of you as kind of like a guru who's like trying to make people's lives better um, by having them make more rational, less autopilot choices. So I'm wondering yeah. if people have come to you because you know I know you also speak in various venues. Been like, hey man, like this changed my life. Like I made different decisions. You must be, be getting the, those stories all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the, you know, you don't write books to make money. I'm sure you know that, <laughs> right? Like you can be a bestseller. That doesn't mean anything. You're not going to see a nickel, but, uh, but uh, you know, the, the, the reward is, is that people come to me and like, I, I'm, I, I would have never done this because of you. I'm doing this. I'm having the time of life. I'm in more fulfillment. You've crystallized what I've always known. I've given them permission basically like put it, laid it out for them, permission, like how they feel they should be living the move. And so, you know, if, if, if people just adopt a little bit, of, a little bit of what's in the book, just get off autopilot, just a little, live intentionally, just a little, um, they're going to have a more fulfilling life and that makes me happy. And so that, that feedback that I got from people that have read the book is, is amazing. Every time someone downloads the app, you're like, yeah, I helped someone else live a little better but life. The, the, the apps are the mental models that we put up for free mental models. We put up the, the you know, an app. They're, they're kind of like magnitude trying to get you to, to prod you to start thinking about it, right? Like the book is very much in, um, here's some ways to apply it, but very theory, very in force equals mass times acceleration or equals MC squared. It doesn't get you the GPS, right? Like you got to apply, you got to take out of that formula what you want to take out of it because everybody's priorities and lives are different. But if you get off autopilot and you use these guidelines, these mental models, I, I believe everyone who does that will have a more fulfilling life according to the life that they want to have. I just want you more of what you want, right? Yeah. And so it's like a life better lived. Uh, and, and you really do exude this stuff. Uh, you know, when you talk about how your, your mom worked for the government and she was like, oh, like, you know, get, get a government job. will be super safe. <laughs> yeah. you've, you've gone in a, a, a very different direction. No, no, no. I'd rather be, you know, my, my temperament is like, I'd rather be busted than do something like that. I'd rather, you know, I want to hit the grave with scars, uh, you know, I, 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 heartbroken scars, attempts failures, looking like a buffoon, you know, having successes, et cetera. I, I want to, I want to have a, a, a very wild, adventurous, fulfilling ride. And to me, what's fulfilling is, is actually using up all your resources to get that fulfillment, to actually try, you know, the, the sports analogy is leave it all on the field. Well, you know, here at life, this is it. It's one ride. 
you leave it all in this life and that's it, you know? And so, uh, safety of job just didn't really, you know, safe is safe to me is misery. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a form of hiding from life because life is dangerous. Just, it just inherently it's dangerous, you know? <laughs> you know, what was fun too, Bill, is that reading your book, um, I congratulated myself a little bit because I feel like I'd lived, uh, according to some of the principles without knowing them, obviously. Um, and, and part of it was the risk I, I took on when I was relatively young, in part because I, you know, I didn't have a family or even a girlfriend, <laughs> you know, like no mortgage. Right. So it was like, yeah. um, so, yeah. so, so I've done a bunch of things that people thought of at the time as being kind of unwise, including my Asian parents, uh, you know, not fans. Um, and, and certainly one of like the biggest swings I took was running for president. And people thought at the time, I mean, my even close friends of mine were like president of, <laughs> you know, like, like there wasn't like a lot of, um, but I kind of drew down my head and was like, look, like, you know, what's my downside? Time away from the family, opportunity costs, total public humiliation. And the upside is like, maybe I can advance human civilization. Maybe I can help alleviate poverty. Maybe I can like improve the standard of living for, you know, tens of millions of people. Uh, or shift the dialogue, shift the dialogue and get people thinking about it. Right. Like it, it, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, like you could have, you could have won, you could have shifted dialogue or you, you've picked up the baton, run it. And eventually you pass it on to somebody else. And that race has started. And so like, uh, you know, in the relay game of right, uh, relay game of life, you don't know whether you're the anchor or the starter. Right? You just, <laughs> yeah, just got to run. Yeah, it's and, gotta run. And what you did is, is you ran, you know yeah, what I mean? And that, that's admirable. Thanks, man. So there were parts of it where I was like, okay, cool. I'm like doing this stuff. I'm like, you know, like on the die with zero train. Um, but then there were other things where I was like, oh, I need to do more of that. Uh, certainly, um, I, I feel like because I'm 47, like I need to drag experiences forward to the extent possible. Like anything right. where I'm thinking like, oh, I need to do that. It's like, oh, I should freaking do that stuff now. Because, you know, life is busy. And for me right now, a lot of that is around my parents who are uh, in their seventies and eighties. And I'm like, Oh shit, I need to spend more time with them now. Um, like that, right. like that, that's, you know, like that, that's, uh, not going to last forever. Uh, and for a young person, it really is also, I think, trying to drag experiences forward. Um, because it, it like our society does give you a message and you open your book, which is what we'll close with, but you open your book with, uh, the ant and the grasshopper, and the you know the the ant is like working uh, tirelessly and collecting the seeds or, or or food, and then that's presented as like the virtuous model, and the grasshopper is like the one who uh, like does something and then rests and then ends up losing. It's like the slow but steady wins the race, and our society continuously kind of hammers at like the oh like um, and, and by the way, I'll also like you know I'm uh, like a son of immigrants and Asians. So like I, I've internalized a lot of those messages, uh, but people trying to max out their experiences. I kind of did it accidentally because I didn't meet my wife until I was 31. So I was like, just kind of wandering the earth before then being like, well, like, I guess I'll go skydiving. I guess I'll go hang gliding. Right. <laughs> like, like, I, I guess I go, th go do things. All right. I mean, life is discovery. You discover what you want, right? You don't, you don't know. You, so you got to go to discovery. So you did a lot of discovery. Yeah. But I'm so thankful I did that stuff now. And, and then now, you know, it's like if, if I'm going to spend a couple of years um, in 
Iowa or New Hampshire running for president, like, you know, I'm like, okay, it's cool. Like I feel kind of settled. Um, and I, I feel settled in large part because I did some of those things when I'm young, when I was younger. Um, so if you are young and broke, try and max out those experiences. If you are a little bit older, try and drag some of those experiences forward and try to, as my friend, Bill Perkins says, uh, die with zero, get all you can yeah, from your money in your life and don't go on autopilot. Don't just think, Hey, like I'm supposed to have a pile of money that increases and doesn't decrease. So like, you know, that's what I'm going to do through my 50s, 60s, 70s, like freaking get it out on the field. Yeah. Leave it one ride. Hope you enjoy it. You know, I hope it's the most adventurous. It's funny that you say Asian, um, um, work ethic and culture because the book is biggest in Japan. Which, you know, really? That, that's <laughs> yeah, because awesome. it's counter the culture. Like it's like really big in Japan. You know, uh, and they're like, "Wow, this is so it's so foreign, right?" Uh, from from and it's like you know this whole kind of work, 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 save, 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 die, give money to your kids. You know, <laughs> work, 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 work. and I'm like, which generation ever has fun? If everybody's you know, if everybody's just grinding forever, right? It's like a thousand years of grinding. You know. Well, look at this, man. You're going to end up changing uh, Japanese culture. <laughs> like maybe no. all, all of it. <laughs> uh, That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully you do inspire people to live fuller, richer lives in the sense of, uh, of the truest meaning of the word. Uh, congratulations for uh, putting this out and for living it yourself, man. I mean, you're, you're a role model for me and a lot of other people. I don't know if I'm a role model. I mean, I wrote the book for me, right? Like I was like, I'm just as on autopilot as the next person, you know? I'm like, I need, I was like, okay, let me go back to the guys. I have an accountability buddy. I'm like, okay, we sit down and meet and like, okay, what are you doing? How are you spending your time? That type of thing. So, uh, uh, but I, I, I hope I've inspired people. I wouldn't call myself a role model, but I hope I inspired people. Uh, you're one of the most uplifting guys I, I know, Bill, and not just because you won the World Series of Poker. <laughs> I didn't win it. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Thank you so much. If you're listening to this, check out diewithzerobook.com. Follow Bill Perkins uh, on social media. On Twitter, he's at uh, bp 22 Bill, thank you so much for being an awesome human being. I will see you in Houston in September. See you in Houston. Okay. See you in Houston. Thanks.